Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, Redefining Yoga listeners. We've got a big update for you. We're revamping our podcast, and we're now proudly known as Redefining Movement. We've always been more than just yoga, but we feel that the word movement really encompasses you and why you come here. And that's not all the changes we're making. We're also slowing down our cadence a bit to five fantastic episodes a month. Why, you ask? This will allow us to be more intentional with the top-notch content that you already love and know. And guess what? We've got some incredible special series lined up that you won't want to miss. Get ready for even higher quality interviews, expert insights, and a fresh perspective on movement. So hit that subscribe button to stay in the loop. Keep moving. It's a thrilling journey, and we're excited to have you along for the ride. Hey, friends. Have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we may still struggle in our intimate relationships? My husband and I have a great relationship, but we are not relationship coaches. And we know that yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational support from a relationship specialist. If you're going through some kind of challenge right now in your relationships, my friend Jason Gaddis at the Relationship School can help. Jason's team will pair you up with a skilled relationship coach, and within 48 hours, you'll be getting private one-on-one support on whatever you're going through relationally. And right now, for my listeners only, Jason is offering half off one month of relationship coaching. Head over to relationshipschool.com slash Laura to get the deal and watch your relationships improve. I'm Laura Hyman, and welcome to Redefining Movement, a lit podcast designed to investigate all aspects of movement from my background in physical therapy and neuroscience. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter movement patterns and compassion for ourselves and others, so together we can live our most uplifted lives, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. And we, as in me and my dearest friend, colleague, superstar, superhero, amazing, brilliant, gorgeous, Kristen Williams. Hey everybody. Hey Laura, never gets old. I just can I even I mean I can't even not say that because it, I'm blushing. I'm blushing right now. I know. I like <laughs> to make you blush. I do. I do. We want everybody to have a cheerleader, right? Absolutely. Oh, it's the best. Okay. First question we have from one of our teacher graduates, Sadlet teacher, 
Sena, she asked, hey, Laura and Kristen, how are you both doing? I hope to see you in person again soon. The reason for this mail is that I, I got a really good question from a new student. She has different leg length than in daily life. It's adjusted by different thickness of the soles of her shoes. However, she's questioning how to take into this into account and how and where to adjust when doing yoga. What would you advise in this case? Thank you so much for taking the time to answer her. Likely, you know, I feel like we get that question a lot because, yeah. well, you know, normally when someone says to me, I have a leg length discrepancy, I'm kind of like, hmm, you know, because a lot of times people are told that from a physical therapist, from a chiropractor, from a massage therapist, when in fact they don't. Now, the fact that Senna's client has built up, has a built up shoe leads me to believe that she has in fact had x-rays done where they they legit measure the length of the femur, the tibia, the fibula. They're really looking to see, is there a true leg length discrepancy? And if there is, they will build up someone's shoes. So that just says to me, and I'm sure you'd agree, like this is more than just, th this is not an acquired leg length discrepancy, meaning something that looks off because of an imbalanced pelvis or lumbar spine, or, you know, that there most likely is a bony, asymmetry. Now, what's funny with that is, you know, she's probably had this her whole entire life. And while we put someone in these prosthetic type shoes, because were she to walk around without that, it could lead to issues later on down the road in her back, in her hips, clear up the chain. But that doesn't mean that in my opinion, she needs to wear these shoes all the time. In fact, you know, so I wrote back to Senna and I just said, you know, to me, when it comes to, to yoga, to your lit practice, to, to anything that you're doing, you know, three times a week for an hour, we're not standing the whole time. In fact, we're kneeling, we're on our hands and knees. Getting her out of that shoe has benefit too. Yes, she's not going to look symmetrical in a standing position. But you know what? That's okay, in my opinion, because she's not there all the time. Now, if she's, if it's this significant and she's really uncomfortable, then I have had people who've had really acute plantar fasciitis or, you know, they're actually, they have a fused toe or something where they are more comfortable in a shoe on the mat. Well, then I have said, hey, just bring your shoes into the studio. I, I actually ask that you bring a separate pair of shoes just so we're not tracking in, you know, tracking dirt in. And 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 I have had people wear shoes during yoga for extreme circumstances. But for this client, you know, I my advice to Sana was just, you know, really based on comfort. But I always think it's a great idea to get out of these. I'm sure she's barefoot around her house at times, you know, so, so we are taking into account her foot, you know, I mean, is she getting some, some challenge to that foot or is she always in a shoe? That's, that, that's my initial thought. What else do you have to add to that, Laura? I really, I totally agree and echo both of those. Um, like you said, when somebody says they have a a leg length discrepancy, I'm always skeptical because so many people have been told that, you know, like 
I'm standing here. And if you really looked at it, my right shoulder might be a little lower than my left. Let's just say, for example, we see that all the time. And that's like an acquired muscle link tension that's different side to side. And that can happen around the pelvis that pulls on the femur differently. So it measures that, you know, that leg seems to be shorter or seems to be longer, but it's really the connective tissue that's changing that, right? And so that's why I would first be skeptical. But let's assume that it actually is. Like uh, the one time I I know, in, I probably in probably say 100 cases, I've had two that were actually real. One was, I've told, I think I've told this story before on the podcast, was a, a client of mine who was hit by a drunk nun who popped a curb and ran over her. Remember that? And she, uh, you know, I was seeing her 40, 50 years later. So she was in her mid seventies and she had, you know, design shoes that were different, um, heel lifts. And yeah, she practiced, we were doing more physical therapy drills with some yoga balancing in, but she practiced with her shoes on. And it would just, you know, A, her age and her true discrepancy, it was like a very significant one. It would have been really, probably wouldn't have felt that great. Um, but like you, I also think it's a great time to get out of the shoes. And um, most of the stuff we're doing is a little asymmetrical, even in like a symmetrical pose, like a squat, like a goddess squat or parallel squat, you can still kind of lift up into the pelvis and try and make space for the differences in the femur. So I, I just agree with what you're saying. And I think just that's where, again, we give the person agency what feels best for you. Try it with your shoes, try it without. Um, but if it's not like a real, real massive a difference, even if it does require a heel lift, I, I think getting out of the shoe is a great idea. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. We, we, we want to, uh, and I love that you brought up the ace, the um, asymmetrical stuff that we do. It is such a good opportunity to work left to right. That's my favorite thing about about yoga, about the lit method. Is you know, is that we do everything on both sides. So you are constantly. I mean, how many times do you say, "Oh my gosh, my right side is terrible today," or "Man, my left side is kicking butt today," yeah. and the day before it's different. So it's such a good opportunity to just listen to the story that your body's telling you, and if she were to wear that shoe, she might not get the, or be able to respond through that foot and ankle or shoes, uh, cause she would be wearing both shoes. She wouldn't be able to respond through the foot and ankle like she could without it. Exactly. All right. So we got another question over uh, Instagram from Bali Flow Yoga. And she says, Kristen, I have a question for your podcast with Lara. My name is Anna. I'm 38 years old and currently 18 months postpartum after baby number two. I'm dealing with diastasis recti. I probably always had it a bit, but worsened it a lot after baby number one when I started my normal yoga practice about four weeks postpartum. My, my midwife realized the separation got bigger after a checkup about four months postpartum by then. After that, I continued my yoga practice as normal, but did some physiotherapy. My belly wasn't as flat as before pregnancy, but that's okay after a baby, and I had no other problems. After baby number two, I was very aware of the, uh, the DR issue and tried to do everything right. No normal yoga as uh, any kind of backbend, chaturanga, one-legged stuff, and so on, but the separation was five fingers and only went down to about three fingers max. 
I tried, as mentioned, to avoid any kind, many kinds of movement, which is very hard for someone who loves to move. She consulted two physical uh, therapists, and then um, I think her message cut off. And so I said, you know, great, we're recording. And she said, here's a picture. This is my posture if I don't suck in and engage my belly. And I did ask her for permission to show this since we are on YouTube. And so, you know, this is what she looks like standing without sucking in her belly. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and if I think what her main question is, you know, is can she ameliorate this? You know, is there something that can be done? She does not mention that it's problematic, except that I think she, you know, wants to know, can she reverse this? What's your first thought on that? Yeah. So, um, does she practice lit or is she practicing other kinds of yoga? Not clear. Not clear. Okay. So, um, the first thing is just know that you're not alone and having fear around this. And it's unfortunate because especially when you have measurements like that, that is a big opening, but it's, but we are resilient. And I think it is your, the best course is to absolutely continue a movement practice, but you're going to have to be a little bit more, um, or a lot more specific about the poses you choose and how you're holding yourself in space and also the sequence of it. So when your um, your abdominals are stretched, that that sheath is stretched, and that's actually what's separated. And so when they have been lengthened like that, they're not only the connective tissue is not only lengthened, but there there's often a delay in the firing for those muscles around there to kind of turn on and engage to get more of that corseting. And so number one, you. Like, and also looking at that, it's clear she's got a, um, a high lumbar, low thoracic hinge, which means that her rib cage is still far more forward. So it's going to be really hard to get positionally and, neuro and neurologically to get those um, core abdominals. Yeah, there you can see, like where you can even see um, there's like a a darkness in the, in the low um, upper thumb. Um, at the bottom of the rib cage, there's like a, you can see it's pushed forward. So that happens a lot with pregnancy. And so then you have to really focus on getting the rib cage back. The reason you need to get the rib cage back is that position would be neutral for that, the spine and the ribs. And it's like the great, a great starting point for those muscles to start to turn on when they should. If they start off in a bit more stretched out position, they're just going to lag. You know, the, the, the glutes are a great example of that. Like just, we don't use them enough and they're not contracting and then we stand up and they're just not as prepped to help us move in space, like um, extend our hip. So we can use our back, we can use our hamstrings, we can use things around there. So in fact, when you have something stretched out like that, other things around there might be trying to give some of that stability, which then completes the picture of making the the um, sheath open up or not close off. You know, it's not going to improve because you're not improving the engagement of the muscles that need to kind of come on. So first work on posture and you need, and, and I would really um, recommend taking some of our classes if you haven't and go slow because your 
your movement is faster than your brain's ability to monitor the movement. So, and that might be, you know, coming back after four weeks, some people could do it. You probably were strong, but your position might not have been the best. And then you go back to doing these things and it's not your fault. It's just, you were, you can do the movement, but your brain is not catching up with the demand. Um, it's called motor coordination. So the firing of the particular areas of the body and multiple areas of the body are working, by the way. We don't, it's not like just your transverse, like your transverse is a big part of that, but you know, your obliques are going to be part of it, getting the ribs in position. Some of the, the iliopsoas would be part of it. So you've got to really get organized. To get organized, you probably have to slow down and, but still you have to challenge. Like, so it's like a combination. You have to soak the, it's like really wake up that connection and you're going to do it through challenge. But that challenge might be quadruped instead of plank. And you lift one knee up at a time and kind of just play around with that. Video yourself. Like, are, is your abdominal, are you doming when you do that? Are you breathing well and expanding into the back ribs? Because if you get your breath back there, you're all, that also means your abdominals are coming into support, the viscera in front, to be able to allow the diaphragm to open up more, you know, 360, like sideways and back. And we do a lot of stuff on the ground. Why? Because you are supporting your center of mass. When you get more support of your center of mass, and more feedback because you have a surface that's giving your feedback, you know, proprioceptively to the motor neurons, you're going to have more of a chance of these coming on quicker and quicker and that coordination improving. So I, I like to look at it like this. When somebody has a case of any kind of diastasis and it's like small or big, slow it down, but still challenge yourself. When people say never do a plank again, I think that's that's the wrong message. It's like you need to do it in, with that expansion in your back, so it's not you know you're not collapsing the, and doming the abdominals, um, and you need to just give yourself more support from the floor, and do it with uh, you know a guy like get a have a private session. Kristen does private sessions. Um, I do private sessions, but you know don't you don't have to do it with us. You could do it with anyone, but you need somebody to have eyeballs on you and give you very clear like. When you do this, when you go to move your leg, like you were saying in some of the one-legged stuff, say maybe three-legged down dog or something, um, everything kind of just collapses in the center. So they would say, back it up. Let's hold the center, pull the ribs up. You're going to almost feel like you're doing a little bit of a cat action in your lower rib front rib cage. And in your brain, that might feel like weird because it will feel like you might be really flexing in your spine, but the action is coming from the front to support all that so that you can have gravity, you know, gravitational forces. You can move a limb because moving a limb is going to summon the core to work, but it might not be turning on as quickly as you need it to. So slow it down, work with somebody to help you this. It's absolutely um, you know, improvable, <laughs> you know, like, like KB said, you can ameliorate this, no problem, but you can't just go back to just moving as is. And we say this a lot. That's one of the big reasons I started lit is I saw that people from any background come, you know, they come into a yoga 
yoga class and they start moving and they haven't prepped the brain-body connection and communication well enough with knowing that we all have some kind of um, kind of motor coordination, maybe delay or lacking the proper st stability and prepping on the ground, doing the developmental stuff that we do is, is imperative for this. I mean, I'm, I'm your classic case study. You know, I came after my third child, Bailey was around three, probably when I started with, with lit. And I'm super athletic, you know, I'm trim, you know, I, I, but I had a easily a three finger diastasis um, when I came to teacher training and I hated abdominal work. Why? Because it was a challenge, Laura. It was hard. I mean, it, it was hard and it uh, didn't feel good in my back because I, I, I didn't have the endurance. I didn't have that motor plan. And Lord have mercy, Laura used to make us do absolutely three sets of <laughs> abdominals before every yoga class. I would be madder than a hornet, hated it. <laughs> then I started to see the benefit, the change, you know, to, to, I have seen my diastasis, I probably have like one finger, you know, maybe. I think maybe. so many people do. Like it's like. But like, yes, you know, so what? I, I, and and what I liken it to this, Anna, you know, the sensation that I have always thought of is like tightening like a drum. Because I, I imagine, you know how when you go over a, a, a bridge that can open up for a, a, a ship to go through? That's what's happened. You've been carrying a ship around and now you're just stuck open. And this idea of, oh, just pull your belly button to your spine or just contract your abdominals never made sense to me. But this idea of closing like this, I, I always talk like tightening like a drum and not pulling out, it's pulling down and, and, and down and in. So, but, but it's repetition. It's, it is doing this absolutely purposely like you said laura slow our abdominals are slow we have people hold them they're like good god i can't breathe is she gonna tell me to stop and that's the reason you know we need to build this women after babies we need to retrain this and it does take time you know and she she even said hey i did i don't have as flat of a belly after i've had babies most people don't you know most people don't you just there's skin that gets stretched and our body just changes position. But I love that you mentioned the ribs. That was a game changer. Laura, you have a cue to close the curtains of the ribs. That has to happen from above as well. So you close the curtains. I'll kind of stand up for YouTube. You close the curtains of the ribs. And then I think of the drum, you tighten the drum. And, you know, that is happening. You could see she was sort of here. And there. so if she would tighten the drum and then close the curtains of the ribs, she's going to pull back into a better posture, which will help train the brain. Because, you know, people say, don't suck your stomach in, don't walk around. We've never cued that to suck your stomach in, but we do cue posture. And what is the result? You guys watched it happen right there. I pulled back in my ribs. I closed down my drum, if you will. I'm not sucking anything in. 
There's a funny thing that's happening right now, in my opinion, with postpartum. Now, Laura, when you and I had babies, we weren't even talking about postpartum. Like women's health was brand spanking new by way of physical therapy. I don't even think it was offered when I went through at my at my school. And then, you know, a little dabbling. But what I don't like that's happening right now is that a lot of PTs are have swung the pendulum so far the other way that they are telling these new moms, don't suck anything in, don't hold any type, don't. And I'm kind of like, I understand that in a, you know, in a one-on-one, you go to a physio who's been very well trained in pelvic floor and that person tells you to do that, then you listen. But the Instagrammer who's saying, don't do this because it's going to give you this, this, it's like, it's such a message. Yes. And, you know, I was just thinking, so a couple of days ago I was getting ready to move and, 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 um, I rented this big upholstery cleaner machine and I did three couches. And when I, it took me almost four hours and it was heavy and it was movement. And I'm just like, about maybe three quarters of the way through, I felt my back was working. It didn't, it would, it was fired. It's not the word. Like, cause I knew it was fine. I was like, it is working. Ache would be if I hurt the next day, but I'm in it. And this is endurance. These muscles are now getting tired. And I thought to myself, thank goodness for my core, because yeah. it knows what, how to support me with the, when demand. you need it. Right. And that is the point. We don't use the word suck because that connotes you just go like, oh. and it, the the idea is that you need it to turn on when you want, when you need it to. I'm reaching with an arm. I'm like, I'm pulling stuff. I'm doing this for hours. And if I didn't have that responsiveness, I would be waking up with a low back pain or whatever the next day. No problem. I was fine. So that you absolutely need this to be strong because it, the center of your body needs to be strong and responsive. And I think people that know what they're talking about use those kind of terms. You absolutely have to strengthen and stabilize there. There is no question. And you need to build endurance there because the endurance for so many people because of posture and because, you know, with the changes, if if it's postpartum, um, you have to build it all. So to just kind of think like, I don't know, like that's not important is it's everything because everything extends from there. It's like an app, you know, it's like an astrocyte, like everything is supported and, you know, amplified from the core stability. Yeah. So get on our daily and, you know, do it, you know, do, you know, get into, you'll learn how to move your limbs while you're supporting your core and PS and we do this. I can talk through it. Like that doesn't that so I'm not sucking in. That's the key. Yeah. If you can speak, you're not, you know, because then you're yeah. just using trying to hold your breath to give yourself support. And that's not going to be effective because you can't do that <laughs> for what you know, which time. Well, so keep well, us posting. Yeah. Interesting. I have a final question is kind of on this. And this was by somebody who wrote me on Instagram, anonymous. She has to be anonymous and she said. This is for the podcast. You gals are fabulous and so smart. I want to be like you when I grow up. Oh, My question is, 
I feel like I'm strong in my pelvic floor. I've, I don't leak. I can do all kinds of exercises, but I see all over Instagram and social media, this call to relax, relax, relax your pelvic floor. And now I feel confused. So I'm like, this is a perfect follow up. Oh, I didn't even can know this was coming. Right. Can you explain this? Hey, I know it's so great. And this is exactly it. It's um, it's any soundbite. And this could be social media. This could have been like a commercial that only has 30 seconds to convey something. Think about a commercial. They're they're gonna they're going to just say what gets your attention, right? And there's gonna be a lot of other truths and stuff, but they're gonna stay with so social media is kind of that way. It's not that what they're saying isn't right, but it isn't the complete picture. The pelvic floor, simply put, is like any other group of muscles. It needs to be able to shorten and contract, lengthen and contract, because that's called concentric and eccentric. One is lengthening as a way of you know, decelerating or controlling something. And then contract is where muscles the come more together. So it's a shortening of the muscles. And then they need to be able to relax because nobody needs to be holding their upper traps or their biceps or their whatever it is, clenching their butt all, you know, all the time. This to me is like, duh, right? So the problem is that posture is a huge contributor to pelvic floor issues. Um, pelvic floor tighten tension is different than strength. And so what I think uh, what you're hearing on the social media world is like a lot of people are tense. They're anxious. The state of the world is anxious. And just like you can get TMJ, you can get pelvic floor dysfunction. They are completely similar. Like I clenched my jaw most. And that's one of the first things I'll say to somebody. If they're giving, you know, saying some stuff about pelvic floor, I say, would you so ask yourself, do you feel like you're a person that's pretty like go with the flow and not too up and down or you do would you identify with being pretty anxious? If you identify with being pretty anxious, you are going to be more likely to be in that category because you're clenching. That's just a that's a you know one of the physical manifestations of stress. It's like clenching, you can clench your hands, you can clench your jaw, you can clench your pelvic floor. So clenching is not um, that's a tension that's not a strengthening. The tension doesn't create strength. It just creates stress. That's not good. Strength, we have a stress that we apply to create strength. I want my pelvic floor to be responsive when I'm lifting and bringing, like the other day, I'm, you know, because the pelvic floor is part of the core container. So as I'm reaching and pulling and doing all this stuff, it should be responding to what is happening. Gravity, load, arms are moving, holding around the center. I'm not squeezing, I'm not clenching, but it's responsive. When I lie in bed at night to read, I watch my pelvic floor to not have to do anything because I've got full support. So it's the people that feel like they can't relax. It's more than just the pelvic floor, though. It's the nervous system needs it. And then you need to look at what other factors are potentially contributing. And posture is a big one. Because if your pelvis is not in a proper position, everything in the bowl of the pelvis, which is pelvic floor, pelvic wall, is going to be positioned not that, you know, in an, an asymmetrical way. 
like we were talking about with leg length. If I have, if I'm constantly like holding a child and my right shoulder's all the way up, and then I put the child down, my right shoulder doesn't know necessarily that there's no weight there. It's just habitually kind of shortened on that side. And then that becomes a posture. And then that becomes the way I fire, you know, it's it's all part of the puzzle. So it's complicated and it's not. Work on posture, Look. Um, breathing, how well are you breathing? It's all part of it. But the core and the pelvic floor, they're all part of the same thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I don't have much more to add. I think that's just where it does boil down to the sound bite. And and I do think that this is a, this is a natural pendulum swing, as I always, that's what I was thinking of, that life is full of those, right? And, oh, and totally. This is the swing away from Kegels. Kegels were the only thing that, pe- that females were told to do, you know, 30 years ago. Oh, you got pelvic floors, just do Kegels, tighten, tighten, tighten. And so we've realized now that that's not the answer. But relax, relax, relax isn't the answer either. So this is what, what Laura is saying, is it's more than just the pelvic floor. It is posture. It is, it takes a deeper look in, it is nerve, you know, it is that, that, that nervous system. Um, so I love that it sounds like this anonymous person was, was wondering, hmm, you know, should I believe this or shouldn't I? And I think that not just about pelvic floor, about a lot of things on the internet, we have to question it. Um, and even, question what we say, you know, because yeah. we always say, get somebody's eyes on you. Let have someone who is, who has the knowledge, look at you and give you a, a an educated opinion because a soundbite is there to get likes. It's there to get follows. It's there to, to get attention. And while the information is sound for some, it is, could be harmful for others. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, like, if you are listening and you aren't sure, but you're like having pelvic pain or you've got like, you know, I just was, I had a private a couple of weeks ago and she had a prolapse and I said, how did you know? And she's like, it just felt like there was something inside down there that shouldn't be like, and that's what finally got her to go. Um, but, you know, pain with sex, um, frequency, you know, all these, anything that feels that it's ruling your life in some way that is really like a big knock, 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 go see it. That's what's wonderful. There's a lot of pelvic PTs out there and they'll say what we're saying, which is you want an, just like we want an adaptable core. Guess what? We want an adaptable pelvic floor and because that's part of the core. So we need it to be responsive so that it is supporting our organs, supporting our bladder. We aren't leaking. Um, um, but we also want to be able to go to the bathroom and not feel like it takes a while for everything to relax because we've been clenching. And my final thing is if you sit a lot, it is really important to get up and down more often because when you're sitting, you're going to be really inactive in the whole pelvic region. Um, and the pelvis isn't going to feel as stable. So other things are going to get really tight and that can also impact the, the pelvic floor health. So try and you know, move around and don't sit at a desk all day if possible. Well, these were amazing questions. As always, um, you can write us right on Instagram, like this wonderful woman did. Um, DM me at Laura.Hyman or Kristen at KB Williams 99. 
You can also email us at support at lityoga.com. Those get forwarded to us. You can also go to our Redefining Movement uh, podcast page on Instagram. So uh, you can DM us there and that, that they will get that to us. And we will put them in our little file folder and get to them as soon as we can. And if you like this episode, we would love... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And special requests for you to go and rate or even write a review, if you would. Uh, we really love that because we love to read the reviews and really get feedback that way. And please share with others because um, this is really something we do with a lot of passion and we appreciate your support. And that's a great way to support us. So thank you for doing that. And as always, one, two, three, we're, we're pulling, pulling you. for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Redefining Movement. If you like what you've heard, please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to leave us a rating and review or share with someone you know. Check us out at www.litmethod.com.